0: Hi, it's Katie. Here to remind you that we're in the midst of our summer marathon. Hey, Tiffany.
1: Hey, Katie. So, if you want to participate and really, why wouldn't you? All you have to do is convince 5 friends to subscribe to the show. The best way to do this is just steal their phone from them while they're not looking and just subscribe. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but honestly, <laughs> once you have gotten their permission, if they don't know how, show them a little bit of help and just click on their podcast app and subscribe or explain to them how to do it. Once they're subscribed, send us an email with their five first names. We don't need last names, email addresses, or anything like that. We trust you guys. So just send us the first names of your five friends who have subscribed, or you can tweet it to us with the hashtag TheBittersweetLove. And what will they get for this, Katie?
0: Well, they're going to get the best prize i can imagine personally wow <laughs> number one they'll be entered in a drawing to win a copy of your book midnight in the piazza secondly everybody who participates in the share by sending us five names of friends who they've gotten to subscribe gets to hear a secret episode of the show that no one else will get to hear the truth or dare episode now by participating and getting your friends to subscribe, you also can submit a question or a dare that you want Tiffany and I to do out in the world. And we will be drawing those out of a hat and doing all sorts of ridiculous things in a secret episode that only those of you who participate get to hear. Now, a listener of ours, listener Lynn from San Francisco, who's my new buddy down here, pointed out that perhaps people are going to be a little lazy about this. I mean, after all, it is the summer. Why would they want to construct an email encouraging friends to subscribe to a podcast? So we've made it easier for you. We've made a template. You can just copy and paste and modify as you will and send it out to everybody you know if you want to. You can find that template at the bottom of our about page at the bittersweetlife.net or at our Facebook page,
1: Yes, but do remember that word of mouth is always the best way to share things like this. Sending an email is great, and go ahead and do that. But also, when you're hanging out with friends, you can just bring it up. And as I said, grab your friend's phone out of their hand and just subscribe for them.
0: You have till September 1st. So get on it. We'll be watching for you. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. We're sitting here, what, right during child playtime hour in Piazza di San Cosimato? Exactly. Piazza San Cosimato. Lots
1: of kids around because there's a playground in this square. It's, it's 6 p.m. People are doing their evening walk, pre-dinner walk. So I was thinking, Katie, about things that are rude in one country that are not rude, considered rude in another country, and how this can be a possible pitfall for expats because you're in your own home country and what you're doing is not rude, but you go to another country and it is. Right. So did you have an example that came to mind? Well, one came to mind that sort of gave me the idea, and it's, it has to do with washing your hands. In Italy, you should never wash your hands at the kitchen sink. The only exception might be if you're like in the middle of cooking something, like let's say you get raw egg on your hands or you're cutting a piece of raw meat, then yes, you can go and you can clean your hands if you're in the middle of cooking. But if you if you walk in, even to your own home, you don't go into your kitchen to wash your hands when you get home. You go into the bathroom, but especially if you go into someone else's home you shouldn't wash your hands in their kitchen sink. You should always, you know, ask to use the bathroom sink. And I didn't know this until my husband pointed it out to me. And I mean, hey, it could be that he's really nitpicky about this stuff. But I have seen other Italians, you know, when they come to my house, say, you know, may I go wash my hands? And, and they go to the bathroom and wash their hands. So, so I guess maybe it's an Italian thing. Would you have ever even considered this as a photo? No.
0: Well, no. You think a sink, the sink you're nearby would be the place. I mean, I can understand why it might be rude if someone's in the middle of cooking a big meal in a kitchen to go in there and be like, excuse me, and wash your hands. But at the same point, even that might not be considered rude in most places. Yeah, I think it's not just about being rude. I think it's
1: about, like, the idea is that you have really bad germs on your hands if you've been out in the city. Like, let's say you've been on public transport. Like, you've got some gross stuff on your hands, and you don't want to contaminate the kitchen sink, which should be clean, because you clean vegetables and stuff in there. You shouldn't contaminate it with the dirt of your hands. Yeah, so you should go into the bathroom where it's not as necessary for a bathroom sink to be clean, I suppose
0: since we have a bunch of kids walking around one staring at us currently sucking on her finger ciao hi is there anything that would be a, considered a faux pas when it comes to children that italians do maybe that an american mother would find a faux pas or that a british mother would find a faux pas or anything that i could do with these italian children as a as a visitor to the city that would be i mean obvi- i'm not talking about crass like <laughs> abduction or molestation <laughs> I'm talking about inter. Flash the children, Katie. Interaction that would be considered uh, inappropriate?
1: Um, I don't know. Nothing comes to mind specifically, but I do think that it might go the other way. Italians might be a little bit less uptight about their kids than Americans in the sense that I know a lot of Americans, you don't touch other people's babies or even their kids. You just don't touch them. Even if you know them, you're not kind of supposed to put your hands on a child unless like you know them really well. Whereas here, you know, like I remember when Aurelio was a baby and I'd have him in the, um, the wrap, I would be standing in line somewhere and someone would like go, oh cute and like kinda like pinch his toes or something. Usually would have socks on, so but I just feel like they're a little bit less worried about people touching their kids than people in the States are, like as strangers.
0: And I know we've talked about in the past that they're much more willing to give you ways that you're parenting wrong. Oh yes, that's totally true. I mean we do that We do that probably in the United States, too, but we do it online. We don't (laughs) (laughs) don't do it in
1: person to strangers in the supermarket. Exactly. Yeah, I have had so many strangers tell me, oh, the baby is cold, you know, you're in the supermarket. The baby doesn't have a hat on? Like, what do you create? You're like a bad mother, more or less. I don't use those words, but yeah. Or if you're carrying the baby in a wrap, they're like, your baby can't breathe. Whereas Americans know that that's rude. Even if you think it, you hold your tongue. I think Americans, they don't engage. You know, they're like, "Mm,
0: not my business. There are entire books written on this stuff. I remember, not even sure if I can come up with any examples because it's been so long, but we've talked about me traveling a lot to Vietnam. And there was a book I read before I went to Vietnam that was called Culture Shock Vietnam. I think it's a whole series, but it was basically breaking down some of these things. Stuff that's going to seem extremely abnormal to your experience and that you've got to roll with. And things to not do, that would be terribly rude. And I wish I could think of some exa- I mean, some of it's just gestures. We all know that making the gesture of come here with your fingers up and gesturing to somebody, like come toward me, is in some countries considered a very lewd gesture. It's indicating some, you know, unsavory sexual stuff or whatever. So you're supposed to beckon to people with your hand downward. Yeah, they do that here too, actually. Yeah. Yeah, and so there were things like that, but I also just remember that occasionally if I was in a photograph with a Vietnamese woman, sometimes she would just put her hand on my butt, you know, (laughs) which was, I don't know what that was, I don't remember like how they would have explained that, but for them it wasn't any weirder than putting your arm around that person's waist. You just lightly put your hand on somebody's butt cheek as you're taking the photo. Gosh, that's... Well, tell that to Al Franken. Maybe he grew
1: up in Vietnam and... Yeah, right. <laughs> Sorry. That's funny. Also, I remember watching um, the Olympics, the Gymnastic Olympics. I don't know if it's the Romanians, but I want to say, yeah, the Romanians, the coach, after the girl did her dismount or whatever, they would kiss on the mouth. A totally innocent, non-sexual peck of course, now after all that stuff that's happened with the U.S. gymnastics, I'm like looking at that with a side eye. But it seems totally innocent, and it seems like the way that an Italian would kiss on the cheek. It's not sexual. Everyone does it. Here's something, speaking of kissing and other forms of greeting. In Italy, hugging is... V- you don't see people hugging very often. When you come to Italy for the first time, you might think it odd that people are going to go and kiss you on the cheek. Especially men to men, they'll do the kiss on the cheek and a lot of American men are kind of like put off at another man kissing their cheek. But when you go and hug somebody that you're not that close to, and and Americans do this, they hug maybe not someone you've just randomly met, but like let's say it's like your second cousin's husband, you might hug them if you've just met them even that's much more intimate. You feel their body, they feel your body, just the front of it, but still, you know. And I think that I've come to the point where, to me, hugging someone is way more intimate than kissing them, and I would not prefer not to hug most people.
0: See, I do hug people, I'm a hugger. I'm a good hugger, but I'm not like an indiscriminate hugger. It's not like I, everybody I meet, I'm like, oh, hug, oh, hugs before we go, or whatever. <laughs> but uh, I do hug people, I think. And sometimes you can kind of tell when you have a hugger, I mean, I've even done interviews where the person hugs me afterwards. Because sometimes it's a very, very intimate experience and you had some sort of friendly connection. Yeah. In Italy, I've
1: I've gotten to the point where people are not comfortable hugging. Even my mother-in-law. Maybe the only time I've ever hugged my mother-in-law was when her mother died. And even then, like I felt her kind of stiffen a little bit. And she's a very warm person. She's not like one of those off-putting people that just... It's just not a thing that they do over here.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Same with Vietnam. The Vietnamese don't like to hug either. And then of course they moved to America because I went to Vietnam so much. I knew so many Vietnamese people in the United States and some of them embrace the hugging and some of them, you know, never get quite beyond, but then they put up with it because they know Americans want to hug. That's interesting. Another thing that I picked up here when I lived here and still employ because it's so damn convenient is line cutting. (gasps) Yes!
1: (laughs) You can kind of get away with line cutting in Italy. Now, it's not not to say that it's completely okay. People will roll their eyes a little bit and not be very happy about it. But you're not going to get shamed as you would in the states. I mean, I haven't lived in the states for so long. Like, what would happen if you cut a line blatantly in the states?
0: Uh, it wouldn't necessarily be super heightened, but a person would say the line starts back there. Yeah, you know, they would say something like. Oh, this isn't the beginning. The line is back there. Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So they wouldn't
1: start yelling at you or something like that.
0: I mean, depending on the person, you never know. I mean, some people are high strung and have had really bad days.
1: Well, I see, I see the, same, um, the same issue with the line skipping. I see it in the driving too. In Italy, you know how you got your exit coming up and everybody in the right lane is going gonna, gonna to exit and they're all way backed up and the other two left lanes are like going nice and quick. There's always that jerk rides that middle lane until the very last second and then cuts in and in the States you can't get away with that because nobody will let you in like you just they don't they won't let you in Italy everybody does it not everybody because if everybody did it it would be total chaos but just enough people do it that I come across this every single day on my way to work when I first started driving to work I would of course you know get myself in that right line and wait in my turn good Seattle girl and I would get up there And these people are trying to push in And I think They'd be pushing in Not right in front of me But like three or four cars in front of me And I'd be like Hey, like, don't let them in Don't let them in And they always let them in Of course I guess it's just not as much of a faux pas here Which I can't really get the point I can't get it Because obviously the peop- There are people who wait in line Because otherwise there would be no line True So what do those people think? Those people who do wait in line What do they think of the people who don't? Aren't they annoyed? Well
0: in some cases too I feel like After living here and after being in more chaotic places, I feel like sometimes people, at least in the United States, I don't know about other places in Europe, I feel like they just sort of queue up, not always knowing what they're queuing up for. (laughs) You see a line, it's somewhere near where you need to go and you just get in line. (laughs) They're so used to having to patiently wait in line. The other example that I remember from going through the UK, I was in London, and maybe they do this, I don't know, here, but in the UK, if there's an escalator, if you're gonna stand on it, you stand on the right. And the people who are gonna walk, walk up on the left. Yes. Americans just cover the path. They do? If they're gonna stand, they and their partner, or whoever they're with, will stand side by side or with their bag next to them so that nobody else can get past. And I find that terribly obnoxious after traveling for so long, but Americans would never think to have a right-of-way. That's funny that you say that, because
1: I guess I haven't taken a lot of escalators, at least not recently, in the States or in places where people are trying to get somewhere in a hurry. Because in Italy, it's kind of like half and half. I would say more than half and half. I would say about like 75% of Italians, at least Romans, like will do that. They'll stand on the right, walk on the left. But there's just enough people who don't that it's very common that you get stuck there's like 20 people waiting, and they want to walk, and there's that one jerk who's standing there. And I always thought, oh, in America, they don't do this. In America, but, but maybe not. No, well, they do. America probably taught them that. My thought was that Americans didn't do that. That Americans were more polite, and that they knew to stand on the right. No, 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 no.
0: Mm-mm. Don't you know Jerry Seinfeld, the comedian? Every single time I'm on the escalator, and Americans are covering it up like they always do. I think of him, his one comedic line that he said, it's not a ride, people. Because <laughs> it's not. They get on it like it's walking up. It's not even an option. Well, I
1: mean, I think that you can. everyone has the choice. If they don't want to walk up the escalator, they, they have the, uh, the right to stand, especially if they have a suitcase or they're tired. But they should stand in a way that allows other people to get by. That's what annoys me. It's not the fact that they're standing. It's that they're covering the whole thing.
0: Well, what about Japan? Walk into certain rooms and keep your shoes on. We've talked about that. I did yeah. that on accident once. Uh, I'm good at playing the stupid American too, though. Um, what else? I mean, this is part of what's so great. Is also it's a it's kind of a microcosm of how you break down cultural stuff because we all have a cultural things that influence what we do but we also have cultural things that are what's appropriate and part of traveling that's so interesting is realizing that what's culturally inappropriate where you're from is like a non-issue in other places that you go. Yeah, I
1: mean it it makes you wonder what is it about that culture that values this over that? Why? Why do Italians value hygiene so much and they don't value
0: pasteurization?
1: (laughs) Yeah, or they don't value people's time, I feel like. I feel like Italians do not value other people's time. How so? Well, they make you wait. You know, they're always late. That's a totally Italian thing that I think in America is not acceptable. Like, to keep people waiting for long periods of time, Italians do that, and it's not really considered rude. It's just considered normal. But even, like, not letting somebody buy on the escalator, although you say that's an American thing, too. I just feel like it's not being considerate to other people's Temporal needs.
0: (laughs) Can you think of an example of when you made a a large faux pas in a country while you were traveling? Oh, geez.
1: I don't know if it was cultural, but I just remember we had these foreign exchange students come from Paris when I was in high school. And I went over to stay with them one summer. And I just remember the mother, she was a little bit, a lot anal. Like, she was... I think OCD, or at least obsessive compulsive personality disorder. She was obsessed and she was always getting mad at me for something. And I just felt like I could do nothing right. It was awful, I felt so self-conscious. But I don't necessarily know that it was cultural stuff or if it was just her. But she definitely made me feel bad. And also, same sort of situation when I first moved to Rome, I was living with these distant relatives of mine. And the mother of the family was also very, very clean. It's common for Italian women, I think, to be kind of obsessively clean in their homes. And I didn't know that when somebody washes the floor, because my mom never, I mean, I honestly don't remember my mom ever washing the floor, I mean, ever mopping. I mean, I guess she must have. But it wasn't the kind of thing where like, oh, you know, you can't go in this room now because the floor has just been mopped. Like, I just don't remember that. And this woman had just mopped the floor and I walked into the room, not with shoes or anything, like just with socks. And she just like gave me this look of death. Like I was evil. Like I should know that you don't walk onto a floor right after it's been washed. So I, oh, and also same family later that year, I was really late. (laughs) Okay, now I just gave people, (laughs) just people who are late, but it wasn't technically my fault um, because because my phone wasn't working, and I didn't know that her husband, this distant uncle of mine, was downstairs from my apartment waiting for me because my phone wasn't working. It was Christmas Day, and I was supposed to go over to their house for Christmas lunch, and I got there, and... She was just mumbling about under her breath all night, all day, about how 2 p.m. We've never had Christmas dinner at 2 p.m. I mean, 2 p.m. Like, oh, the God. I mean, how ah, the, it's, a, it's like a, a scandal, 2 p.m. I mean, Christmas dinner at 2 p.m. It was just, you know, maybe that was cultural, like, that was just not the right time to have Christmas dinner. I don't know. Yeah. Again, that could have just been her personality. I think it's probably always a combination of both. Because somebody who's really polite and really kind is never going to make you feel bad for a faux pas like that, I don't think.
0: Yeah, I I do think that there are certain cultures that have certain types of interactions, slightly more passive-aggressive cultures. I don't know that this is also a cultural faux pas, but sometimes there's like a lack of awareness or scale. And what I'm thinking of is, I met this girl once in vietnam who she was poorer than a lot of the other people i knew there so she sort of felt and expected she would never ever be able to afford to go to the u.s but she was very interested in like what kind of common life was like in the u.s and so we would talk about it but because i went to vietnam back and forth multiple times I decided that one time I was gonna bring her a book that I had made of very common things. What an advertisement from inside the paper looks like. What a leaf that I knew uh, didn't exist in Vietnam that was in the United States looks like. Just sort of common things. What a cartoon strips were like in in the paper. And she loved it. Next time I went to her house, she showed me, oh, here it is, I look at it all the time. Next time, however, when you give me something like this, can you make it smaller? because it was like a not a photo album size but it was like a a a journal size book so it was tall and she lives of course in a really tiny place with eight other people or something and so this book while she loved it took up so much space and this one shelf that they had for me of course i wouldn't coming from big grand america where everybody has too many rooms in their homes i wouldn't have even thought that a smaller journal would have been the way to go. Yeah, that's true, that's interesting. Just you telling me
1: that story made me think of one more story, and then we're going to have to end, it's going to be a short episode today. This story was told to us by uh, our mutual friend Suzanne, and I don't think it's her story, I want to say it's like her mom's story or something. But whoever it is, she was a young woman, she was living for a short period of time in her distant relative's home in Germany she was complimenting everything in the house, you know, oh, what a beautiful teapot you have. Oh, this is such a beautiful chair. Oh, I love, you know, just, I you love know, it. your art. Yeah. yeah, she was just complimenting everything, which isn't a very American thing to do. It's just to give people compliments. Oh, this room is beautiful. Yeah. I love this little, uh, this little box that you have here. And at the end of her time there, I don't know if she spent a month there or something, they asked her into the living room and all of the things that she had complimented were laid out and they said, please choose one of these things to take back with you because in the German tradition which this girl whether it was Suzanne's mom or grandma I don't know didn't realize that in Germany or at least at this time in Germany if you compliment something in someone's home that person feels obligated to give it to you but of course she was like complimenting everything in the
0: house you know like she wants everything
1: we own well I think they must have known that she couldn't have known that you know she couldn't have known that that was a tradition but they did honor that tradition by offering or something of those things so I thought that was a great story.
0: That is a really really did she take anything I do we know? She did I think she took something and I think Suzanne was like look
1: and this is it you know and she had it I'll have to ask her who it was. Most people have missed it ever
0: since it was like one of their <laughs> one of their family heirlooms diamond wedding ring. <laughs> well this looks the most valuable. <laughs> I'll take your Monet yeah. Oh man well just to end I mean I remember really briefly when we talk about lining up and pushing and shoving. I don't know if you've ever tried to change planes in Korea. But I mean, if you don't shove, you'll never get on that plane. Oh, I bet, I
1: bet. And I mean, that's kind of the way it is driving in Rome as well. Like, I always say you got to push your advantage in Rome. Like, when you've got space in front of you, you move. Because you'll never, if you have to turn left onto a two-way street, you go. You don't wait until people stop for you. You just got to go.
0: Well, we got to leave it there because you got to go. I got to go. And being late is not rude in Italy, but it is rude in your particular relationship. <laughs> and partly because you're an American. My so. husband
1: was like, I'm going to come pick you up at 6 o'clock.
0: He texted me at 6 oh, oh. <laughs> promptly he should go into radio <coughs> he okay so until next time this is the bittersweet life i'm katie sewell i'm tiffany parks join us again bye we welcome your questions and your feedback reach the show by emailing bittersweetlife at mail.com that's bittersweetlife at mail.com